My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And wherever you may be today or whatever you might be facing in your life, I just pray that God would use this program today to encourage you, to remind you that God knows right where you are, that you have not been forgotten by God, you're not abandoned by God, God is right with you in your present circumstance. You know, the Bible says that God speaks to us in lots of different ways. Certainly, He speaks to us through the Bible and through the Holy Spirit, through other people, through circumstances, through nature even. But I had an experience not long ago where God spoke to me through my cell phone, or at least He used my cell phone to give me a fresh insight into the person of the Holy Spirit. And so in the sermon that we're about to listen to, I kind of tell how somebody had taught me how to use the part of my phone where I can talk to Siri and ask her for directions on how to get from point A to point B. And for whatever reason, I just never had learned that feature on my cell phone. And so as I tell this story today about Siri, just think for a moment how many times we do with the Holy Spirit what I have done with Siri for so very long, and that is we neglect a person that is with us, and in the case of the Holy Spirit who's living in us, and God has placed him there to help us through life. So I just pray this sermon will encourage you today. I have had this phone for over five years, and I have been ignoring Siri all this time. This morning I got up and I said, Siri, how are you doing? I did, and she said, I'm doing well, thank you. I said, Siri, is it going to rain today? She said, it's not supposed to rain. And I said, Siri, should I preach a long sermon or a short sermon today? She said, John, I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> I said, that lets me know she's not a member of First Baptist because I guarantee you, you guys know how to answer that question. But I thought, over five years, and see, I'm so turned off with certain things on technology. I've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, and I've just walked away from all of it, and I have neglected and I have ignored something that could have really been a blessing to me, and hopefully now it will become more of a blessing. But I thought what I have done with Siri is exactly what many Christians do with the Holy Spirit. Think about this. When you were saved, you received someone to live on the inside of you who would do what? Who could help you with life. Who could help you as you're trying to go somewhere, know the best route to get there. Who could guide you, who could lead you, who could make your life better. And that person is the Holy Spirit. And so today, if you'll open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter number 14, I want to mention several things that the Holy Spirit does. Several ways that the Holy Spirit helps us in life to face challenges, obstacles, to discern God's will. How does the Holy Spirit help us? In fact, I want to mention five things, and you might want to jot these down today. Number one, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. He convicts us of sin. Now, in John 16, look in verse number 8. Jesus describes this. He says, when He has come, that is the Holy Spirit, when He has come, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit is to convict us. As a child of God, 
you have the Holy Spirit living in you. That means if you in any way step out of line in your life, if you start doing something that is wrong, that is sinful, then the Holy Spirit is going to convict you. That's why you can't be saved and enjoy sin. Because you, while you're doing the sin, you're going to have this internal turmoil, this guilt, this light. It's like this alarm going off on the inside of you, convicting you that you're doing something wrong. And so the Holy Spirit's first and primary job is to convict us of our sins so that we will confess those sins, get them out of our lives, and stay on the straight and narrow with God. That's what the Holy Spirit He wants us to live a clean and a pure life. One of the ways I know I'm saved is I can't get away with much of anything. I'm constantly convicted by the Holy Spirit, and that would certainly be true for you if you're saved. He's there to do that. But if you think about this convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's not just for Christians. In fact, it was the Holy Spirit who convicted us of our sins before we got saved, and it was the Holy Spirit who led us to Jesus Christ so that we would get saved. So the Spirit of God is is convicting unsaved people. If you're not saved today, or you don't have the assurance of your salvation, I I can guarantee you during this sermon, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you louder than I am. And the Holy Spirit is convicting you that you need to make peace with God. Now, notice what what it says in verse 9, how he will convict. Jesus said, he will convict of sin because they do not believe in me. So first, he's convicting unbelievers that they need to get saved. Look in verse number 11. It says, not only does the Holy Spirit convict of sin, but he convicts of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And so, before a person gets saved... The Holy Spirit begins to convict them of their sin, of their need for Christ, of their need for forgiveness. But he also convicts that unsaved person about a judgment that one day we will stand before God in judgment to give account for our lives. And God's going to judge us of our sins. And so one of the things the Holy Spirit does in, in convicting a person to get saved, he begins to put a little fear in our hearts. And we begin to think, well, now one day I am going to die. And one day I'm going to stand before God, and I know I've sinned, and so God's going to judge me for these sins. And so we begin to think, how am I going to account, answer for my sins? What is God going to do with all these sins in my life? What I want you to see is in verse 9, the Holy Spirit is convicting us of sin. In verse 11, the Holy Spirit is convicting us of a future judgment. But notice in verse number 10, The Holy Spirit is convicting us of something else. He's convicting us of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. So this is a very interesting thing here. First, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Then the Holy Spirit convicts us of judgment. And that makes us all afraid. But notice this. In between our sin and God's judgment is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Sin, righteousness, judgment. It's interesting, Jesus gave it in that order because he said, you need to understand, between your sin and God's judgment, the only thing that will help you on the day of judgment is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And when I was thinking about that last week, especially yesterday evening as I was finishing this sermon, I was thinking, I wonder today in the services what people are placing between their sin and God's judgment. We all know we've sinned. And we all know that one day we're going to be judged for our sins. But the question is, what are you placing between your sin and God's judgment? Some people are placing their religion between their sin and God's judgment. 
and their rituals and their prayers and their offerings and all these things. And they think, well, one day, I know I've sinned, but I'm going to stand before God. He's going to judge me. But between my sin and God's judgment, I'm going to offer up all my religious rituals and all the things I've done. And I'm going to offer up, God, I've been baptized. And I'm going to, God, all these things. God, I'm putting these things in between my sin and God's judgment. And Jesus is saying to us here, the only thing that you should put between your sin and God's judgment is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so one day when I stand for God to be judged, God's not going to judge me for my sin. My sins have already been judged. My sins have already been paid for. My sins have already been forgiven. And so God's never going to say to me, well, John, how about this thing you did wrong? And how about that thing you did wrong? Those sins have been washed away. And so the question for you is, have you ever placed your faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ Are you trusting Jesus to forgive your sins and cleanse you so that one day when you stand before God, you'll only be judged in order to be rewarded for your good works and your good life. You won't be judged for your sin. But nonetheless, that is the first thing the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of our sin. The second thing the Holy Spirit does, He guides us along the right way. He is a guide, just like Siri in this phone. It says, turn here, stop, turn there, roads out, go away this way around. Look in, back in chapter 16 and verse number 13. Jesus says, when he, that is the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. There's the verb. He's going to guide you. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So the Holy Spirit is going to help you go in the right path and make the right decisions. And He's going to lead you and He's going to guide you. See, the Holy Spirit, living on the inside of you, knows what you're going to face tomorrow. You don't have any idea what you're going to face tomorrow. But God does. And His Spirit will speak to you. In fact, I love the verse in Amos chapter 3 and verse 7. It says that God does nothing without telling His secrets to His servants, the prophets. In other words, God will tell you things that are going to happen before they happen. He will guide you to prepare you for that so when it happens, you'll be ready. I had this experience last Monday morning. I was home reading my Bible, and I was reading out the Gospel of Luke, but my mind, for some reason, started thinking about that passage in the Old Testament where Isaiah the prophet went to Hezekiah the king and said, Hezekiah, get your house in order. You're about to die. That was God's message to Hezekiah. Well, when Hezekiah got that message, it scared him to death, and he began to pray, and basically, he was asking God to heal him of his disease and to to lengthen his life. Now, he didn't say those words, but that's what was in his heart. And so, God said to Isaiah the prophet, go back to Hezekiah and tell him, I'm going to add 15 years to his life. And I, I read that passage in 2 Kings chapter 20. It was just on my mind. And I just started thinking about that, mulling that over. And I started studying what some others had said about that passage. And one of the writers I read on that said, in this case, God extended Hezekiah's life by 15 years. And the writer said, what would you do if you knew that God was going to add 15 years to your life? You just take the age that you are right now and add 15 years to it. If you're 60 years old and God came to you today and said, I'm going to add 15 years, you'd know you're going to live to be 75. I'm 25, so I'd know I was going to make it to 40. i just make sure you're still awake out there. But I was thinking, now I want to do a sermon on what what if you knew you had 15 years left to live? What would you do? I thought about that all day Monday. 
Well, as it turned out, my dad and I were on a project for much of the day Monday, and as the day came to an end, it was getting late, and he said to me, he said, John, i got to go home and do the Tuesday Bible lunch. He said, I haven't even started it yet. And I said, well, Dad, I'll be honest with you. I've got something in my heart, and I told him that story I just told you. I said, I will be glad to do the Bible lunch tomorrow. Now, I didn't really mean it. I didn't want to, <laughs> but I would said it to be a good assistant. And uh, he said to me, well, I believe that's God's will. I want you to do it. And so I went home, and I thought, <laughs> and so I took a thought and stayed up Monday night, and I'm doing the sermon for the Tuesday Bible lunch. And it, I preached it on Tuesday, and it went fine. But the point is, on Monday morning, when I, I'm reading in Luke, And out of the blue, I start thinking about Isaiah telling Hezekiah he's about to die. Hezekiah prayed. God gave him 15 more years. And I thought, now, isn't that interesting? Well, it was given to me by God not only to be interesting and not only to make me think, what would I do if I knew I had 15 years? But God was giving me a sermon for the next day before I even knew that I was going to be preaching that day. Now, see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He will guide you. He will prepare you. He will lead you. He will put things on your mind and in your heart that you need to know before you need to know them. And that's, Jesus said, one of the main things that the Holy Spirit does. I'll tell you a third thing the Holy Spirit does. He reminds us of God's Word at critical times. I can't tell you how many times in my life, and I'm sure this is your experience too, where I've been in a situation Maybe I was afraid. Maybe I was waiting on a doctor's report. Maybe I was just thinking about what might happen. And God, the Holy Spirit, has brought a Bible verse to my mind. I remember one day in a doctor's room waiting to get a test back, sitting there by myself. I was just thinking about it. And I was trusting God, but you can't help me a little bit nervous in a setting like that. And as I sat there, this verse came to my mind, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Say that with me. Be still and know that I am God. Now, had that verse pop in my mind, Holy Spirit put it there. This is the importance of memorizing Bible verses. See, if you regularly memorize Bible verses, you're storing that away. What did the psalmist say? Your word have I hidden in my heart. Well, if you've hidden it in your heart, when you need it, the Holy Spirit can bring it back to your mind. And he's done that for me very many times. One of the verses God frequently brings to my mind, I'll get in a situation, I may be thinking or worried, a little anxious about something. God will bring to my mind Psalm 3115, where the psalmist said, my times are in your hand. He said that to God, my times are in your hand. I thought about this last week. With this explosion, all these multiple explosions at this plant in Deer Park, it's horrible. It's sad. It's tragic what's going on down there. And the shelter's in place multiple times last week in Deer Park. And you just wonder, well, how's this thing ever going to end? And there's more tanks out there. And across the street from the tanks that are exploding, I've learned they're pressurized tanks. And they're trying to keep those tanks from exploding because, God forbid, if that happened, it'd really be bad. And so people are trying to figure out what to do. And I just thought last week, now, God... Thankfully, in Pasadena, we've not even had a shelter in place, but if we do, I would have no choice but to shelter in place, and, and I, if God forbid it ever got really bad, you might have to evacuate and go somewhere, but I, as that whole week was playing out last week, I just kept thinking, now this is not an ideal situation, certainly it's not, but I thought this last week, my times are in God's hands. I mean, think about this. When something like that happens last week, and it's still, may, may still, it's still I'm convinced, still far from being resolved. But when those things begin to happen, all this benzene in the air and all these carcinogens and all these terrible things for us to breathe, what's the worst thing that can happen to us? Well, the worst thing would be we'd die, right? 
See, sometimes you have to play it out in your mind. Now, what's the worst thing that could happen to this? Well, the worst thing, we would die. And I just thought last week, the Bible says my times are in God's hands. Let me give you a verse to write down. Don't look it up for time's sake. But in Acts 17 and verse 26, listen to this. It says, God has determined their pre-appointed times. In other words, God determined when you would live before you were ever born. And not only that, God has determined the boundaries of their dwellings. That verse, I've thought about it many times. God determined before we were ever born that we would live in this time in history. And God determined not only that we would live now, but God determined where we would live. He has determined the boundaries of our dwellings. That means that house you're living in, if, you, if the desire of your heart is to be in the will of God, it is God's will for you to live where you live. That house where I live. I'm not from Pasadena. I didn't grow up here. God sent my dad here in 1990 and me in 1995, and I'm thankful he did. But we are in the will of God for our lives. And I thought last week, I thought, you know, God, the worst thing could happen with this explosion out there is that I would die. But if you've determined when I would live and where I would live, here's what that would mean. It would mean that I would die in the will of God because my times are in his hands. And the same is true for you. And so a lot of times things happen and we think, oh my goodness, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this? Well, friend, what's the worst thing? The worst thing is you die. But if your times are in God's hands, God has determined when you would live. God's determined where you would live. And God determined how long you would live before you would ever be born. Here's what you've got to say. You've got to get to the point where you say, you know what? If I die, I die. But I die in the will of God. That's the Holy Spirit bringing these verses to our mind, reminding us of these Scripture passages, and not only reminding them of us, applying them to our hearts and saying, here's how this works now. My times, the psalmist said, are in God's hands, and they're in God's hands now, and so we don't have to worry about anything. We trust God with it. I'll tell you a fourth thing that God, the Holy Spirit, does when He comes to live in our heart. He gives us words to speak in stressful, intense situations. All of us get in spots and in conversations, situations, maybe even a legal matter. It could be this week that you're going to be in a courtroom setting. And you're going to be brought before the judge. And you have to swear in and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And you don't know what questions they're going to be asking you. And you think, God, what am I going to say? Or maybe this week it's your work. You're going to be brought into your supervisor for a stressful meeting. Maybe you're underperforming and you're thinking, I'm working hard, I'm doing my best, but I'm not making as many sales as I have in the past. What am I going to say? And so many times in our minds, we just review, what will I say? What will I? Or maybe it's nothing that serious, but somebody's going to call you this week and ask you something, and you're like, well, how am I going to answer that question? They're asking me questions I can't fully answer. I don't feel comfortable talking about that. What am I supposed to say? Well, turn back to Luke. I want to show you something about this in Luke chapter 12 one of the good things about having the Holy Spirit in our lives is we don't ever have to worry about what we're going to say in stressful intense situations we don't have to worry we don't have to plan that in advance if you're facing any of those things that I just mentioned my advice to you is spend zero time thinking this week what you're going to say now, if you're studying for a test, I'm not telling you not to study or taking a test. I mean, I, I can't do this with sermons and just say, well, I'm not going to think about it. No, that, that's not what Jesus is saying. But look in Luke chapter 12 and in verse number 11. Notice what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. 
Jesus said, you're going to be arrested because of your faith in me. You're going to be brought before the authorities because of your faith in me. You're going to be put in trial. You're going to be questioned about your faith in me, your witness for me, what you believe about me. And Jesus said, here's what I'm telling you to do. Don't you spend five seconds thinking about how you're going to answer their questions. Because in the moment that they ask you the question, in that very moment, the Holy Spirit living in you will tell you exactly what to say. And haven't we seen this in our lives? We've been in situations, stressful and tense, and we thought, how will I respond? What will I say? And in that moment, the Holy Spirit gives us a thought. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit gives us a word. And He gives us words to speak in stressful, intense situations. So don't, don't worry about how you're going to handle a meeting or a conversation. God will show you what to say when you get in there. And then the fifth thing the Holy Spirit does, a lot more than this. I'm just mentioning five today. But another thing the Holy Spirit does, He helps us when we don't know how to pray. In our prayer life, the Holy Spirit helps us. Write this verse down. Look it up later. In, in Romans chapter 8, in verse number 26, listen to what Paul says about the Holy Spirit. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, who among us has not had this experience? You've gone to God in prayer. You're praying for some situation. And you pray and you say, God, I pray you'll do this. And God, I'll ask you to do this. And, but God, maybe that's not your will. So God, maybe do this. There have been times in my life when I've been praying about something. And I've, in fact, recently I was praying about something. And I didn't know how to say it and pray, put it in words. I didn't know what to ask God to do. And I was just thinking about that. And I just finally said, God, here's the situation. Here's what's on my heart today. And I'm asking you in this situation, to do whatever will bring the greatest honor to your name. You see, sometimes when you're praying for a situation, if you have a wayward child or a wayward grandchild or you're in a relationship situation or you've got some disease you're battling or some financial problem, and you go to God in prayer and you don't really know how to pray. And so sometimes since we don't know how to pray, we just quit praying. Well, don't quit praying. Just take it to God and you can just say this to God. You can just say, God, today I bring you the situation. God, you know what the situation is. I don't even know how to pray about the situation. I don't, this situation so messed up, I don't even know what your will is. God, I wouldn't even begin to know how to ask you to do it. I'm just praying, God, the situation. The situation, God, here's the situation. And what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit takes that situation and takes that prayer in your heart. And the Holy Spirit, like in my case, would say to the Father, Father, John's down there praying about this, whole, this situation in his life, and he doesn't know what to pray because he doesn't know what your will is. But God, you know what it is. I know what it is. Jesus knows what it is. And so, Lord, he, all he can say is the situation, the situation, the situation. But God, I'm just, I know how to pray. And I pray, Father, that in this situation in John's life that you would do A, B, and C. Because, God, it's clear to me, Father, that A, B, and C would be your will for his life. John doesn't have any idea what your will is. He's just bringing us the situation. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does in our prayer life. He is interceding for us. And what, did you, what does it say in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25? It says that Jesus Christ, one of his high priestly functions in heaven today, is that Jesus Christ is interceding for us. 24 hours a day, around the clock. It says he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. So who's interceding for you when you pray? The Holy Spirit or Jesus? Yes, both. 
They're taking those prayers to the Father. And they're saying, Father, Father, she doesn't know how to pray. He doesn't know what he needs. But we can see it clearly. And so we're asking you to do A, B, and C in this situation. He ever lives to make intercession for the saint Jesus does. And the Holy Spirit in groanings that cannot be uttered. We could never say the words. And I'm not even sure the Holy Spirit uses words. They have some heavenly language that they communicate with each other with. And so that's one of the things the Holy Spirit does in our prayer life. He takes the desires of our heart. Well, friend, we're going to have to stop right there. We're out of time, but you may have a prayer burden on your heart today, a situation, maybe in your family, maybe in your health, maybe as you think about your future, and and you don't even know how to pray to God about it. You don't even know what to say. You can't even put your emotions and your feelings into words. And you know what? That's okay. Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit can take those those emotions and those thoughts and those desires that we have, and He can take those from our heart and put them before the throne of God the Father and just say, God, here's one of your children who doesn't know exactly how to pray, so I'm going to offer this their heart's desire up to you in groanings that can't be uttered. And so today, I would encourage you, if you're in that boat, just say, God, I give you the situation. God, I give you the mess. God, I give you my uncertainties. God, I give you my future. You just give that to God like that, and the Holy Spirit will pray a perfect prayer for you, and uh, your prayer will be answered in God's time and in God's way. I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. I just pray these broadcasts are a blessing and encouragement to you. I hope you'll have a great day, and I hope you'll be with us next time.